You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with none other than Agent Smith. Mr. Bilyeu. What is up, dude? You ready for Goggins? I know you're ready for Goggins. Oh, I am more than ready for Goggins. have been waiting for this for weeks. I have. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, you are. Yes. So uh, welcome to Facebook Live, everyone, to the podcast, YouTube. Uh, this is After Impact, the show where Tom and I go deep into the episode of Impact Theory that launched this week, and this week was David Goggins, who you probably don't know, but he's about to blow your mind. Yes. Um, very simply, he's arguably the most, he's the toughest man in the world. Period. Say. Yeah. Dunzo. Yep. He's a Navy SEAL, and a prof- he's an endurance athlete. He's done all kinds of races that um, are just insane. Uh, if you watch the episode, he'll talk about those, talk about training for those. Um, or not training, as the case may be. Or just jumping into them yeah. and seeing if he can mile uh, race. survive. Literally survive. It's that serious. Um, what's most impre- impressive, though, about him is his is his mind, his mindset, his determination, and that's no what we're really going to dive into. So we can kick it off there. Why why are you so excited about David Goggins, dude? Goggins really shows the limits of the human mind, and I think a lot of people stop, uh, for sure, myself included. A lot of people stop shy of what they're actually capable of doing. And he shows that the boundary isn't like a little farther than you think. It's like really far, really far from where you think it is. And the man ran a hundred mile race around a track. So a mile track, like imagine just running that for 24 hours um, to reach a hundred miles in 24 hours, which was what he had to do to qualify for another soul destroying race. He was like 250 pounds, and he had four days' notice for the race. So basically, so no he was preparation. totally unprepared and yep. just ran it. It is one of the most amazing stories. You've got to watch the episode and hear it directly from him, but it is unbelievable. So this guy reminds me of what I'm capable of, and that uh, for that, I will be eternally grateful for him. And even just during the prep, man, I was getting fucking excited. Like That kind of stuff amps me up to think that there's a lot more in my tank than I think and that I can push past it. And he obviously inspired the fast, which we are on day three of the fast right now. So mad love to my other fasters in the room. Uh, and Goggins fasting. has gotten me through. <laughs> you are not fasting. <laughs> no. That's just not how I like to express my self-discipline. Fair enough. Yeah. How do you like to express yourself? Well, I do dry January. That's okay. one we talked about. Um, I've done triathlons the last two years, Legit. which was just something I... <laughs> wanted to see if I could do nice um that's yeah more more stuff like that hey a triathlon is fully legit so yeah I so like that anyway yeah tell us about the fast how's it going talk to people about why you're doing it um go a little bit deeper into that yeah so I'm doing a three-day fast or several other people here and in fact I'm sure some of you in the community right now are fasting with us uh oh we didn't take our blood levels before this that's all right we'll take it shortly hereafter Um, and I'm doing it really for two reasons. One is just to get summer ready. So it's a part of our summer ready hashtag summer ready it. Yep. So that's our, our summer prep. Um, and then the other, I just want to suffer. 
And so <laughs> Goggins really brought it home. And I knew I wanted to do the fast leading into getting ready for summer. And when I started prepping for Goggins, I was like, oh, we, we have to do it around the release of this episode. If for nobody else than me, by the way, so right. that I will be um, just totally submerged in his mindset during the hardest part, which I expected to be sort of night two, um, which is usually the hardest. And so waking up yesterday morning at the end of night two and getting to watch his episode, which I, I think I watched with everybody else out there, like the second it dropped on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, go to Stitcher, rate and review. Um, and it was awesome. It was like exactly what I needed. So um, staying focused on the positive nature of the suffering that you're doing it to suffer. Um, and both times, the last two times that I fasted, I've really wanted Advil because I've had a headache. And the first time I didn't do it because I was afraid there were calories in it. And the second time I had looked <laughs> to find out there are no calories in Advil, you'd be happy to know. Um, but I just couldn't bring myself to take it. I was like, this is part of the point yeah. is to suffer. And how are the I, headaches this time? Much, much better. I know how to do keto now, which made the transition. Like I came straight off of Christmas the last time I did a fast. So I'd been eating nothing but sugar. It was amazing and fun. But then transitioning into a fast is brutal because your brain is just screaming for glucose. Yeah. So I, I did it a little more intelligently this time. It was much more manageable. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about how watching the episode is keeping you motivated through this fast. And mm. um, Goggins touches on motivation a little bit. And I know visualization is key to him. But really, he says that motivation is going to come and go. And it's about drive. Right. you got to have the drive. So yeah. tell me I about that. that. How do, I love that. Yeah. How do you cultivate the drive? Wow, you just like pulled a, a switcheroo right at the last second, making this nearly impossible impossible to answer. Um, how do you cultivate drive? Part number one is identity. I want to be a certain somebody so badly that I'm, I just have to live in, I have to act in accordance with that belief. Like mm -hmm. that's just critical for me. And I spend a lot of time cultivating my identity. That's huge for me. And then the other is I say things out loud, which helps a lot. So I tell people, hey, I'm going to do this fast. I did that whole rant where I was like, do you really think that I would come out here, say all the things that I'm saying, and then buckle for any reason during the fast, right? Knowing that I'm essentially putting a gun to my head. And that for me to back out for any reason would just be absolutely fucking insane. Like, yeah. I would never tolerate that in myself. I hope you guys wouldn't tolerate that for me. Community certainly would not tolerate that. Like, no and that's why I do it. That's why I say stuff out loud. That's why I want people to know what I'm doing, um, what I'm up to, so that I can be held accountable. And yeah. having a group of people that holds you accountable is really, really important. And then you have to have a future that is so compelling to you that you're willing to push and drive and suffer to get there. <clears throat> and that's one thing that I think that people miss a lot is that notion of really cultivating a compelling future, a vision of yourself that is so exciting for you that you're willing to suffer and do all that. And I just know there's a truth about human nature, which is the people that really accomplish are the ones that keep going. They are willing to suffer. They're willing to drive past boredom. They're willing to face inadequacies, fears, all of that. Like they just keep going. And so that is being that person is so compelling and so interesting. And what we're trying to build here is so important to me for sure. And I believe important to the world. So it's like, 
okay, if I know to accomplish that thing, which I'm really fucking excited about, I've got to become a different person because you know me. My fundamental belief is you've already gone as far as your current skill set is going to take you. Mm -hmm. So you've got to push past it. You've got to get better. You've got to get tougher. And unless you actively do things to suffer, you're, you're just not going to get tougher. So all of that wrapped together, that is drive. You want something so badly, you're just going to keep going until you get it. Yeah, and, and David Goggins talks about how uh, you really have to take the time, do the deep introspection to look at yourself and figure out what it is that you want and what do you want to be. Which, yes. And he has a great story behind that. I mean, his backstory, which we haven't even talked about yet, which you've seen the episode, is he didn't start out with, he had no special talent. He even had like a, a heart arrhythmia or something. Dude, he had a hole in his heart the size of a poker chip. That's serious. A poker chip. Yep. He ran 135-mile races with a hole in his heart the size of a poker chip. That's madness. And growing up, he was overweight. He was uh, subject to all kinds of bullying and racism at his school. Mm -hmm. And he said he one day just had to decide that this is not what I want to be. But you talk about this in the episode, but I'd love to um, kind of reiterate this. is Instead of going away from the adversity, he just went toward more suffering. <laughs> so he was already suffering, right? This is a lot of people. Mm. External things are happening to you and you're suffering. This is something we actually talked about yesterday in our game show, Motivation or Garbage, right? There's a difference between choosing to suffer and then things actually happening to you that mm. are beyond your control. Um, but I think what he did is he chose to suffer, right? And that, that empowered him because through that process, he could learn to grow and he could learn to get mentally tough to deal with anything. Because then the world's going to throw things at you that are outside of your control. So how do you overcome them? How do you get through them? Yeah, I mean, that, that to me is the most fascinating part about his story is what he calls the accountability mirror. And he started shaving his head, I think he said when he was 13? 16. 16? Mm -hmm. So he was like, I'm staring at myself in the mirror every day, every day, every day. And I did not like what I saw. And he realized what he had to do was toughen up. And dude, that is my advice for a lot of people out there. You have to toughen up. And you, you just have to expect more from yourself, man. Like you really do. You have to hold yourself to a higher standard. Like, and Goggins was willing to look in the mirror and say, I'm not enough. And I need to toughen up. And he said, I considered myself the softest man that God had ever created. But he knew he could become the hardest man God had ever created if he was willing to put in the work. And so he looked at the world and found something that he believed was the toughest thing that you could do as a person, which was to um, join the Navy, Navy SEALs, SEALs yeah. and to go through Hell Week and all of that. He had to do it three times because he kept getting medically bounced back. Um, he completed it twice, almost completed it the third time, which I guess was technically the second time. And so that, that's just like absolute madness in my opinion, to be able to do what is considered like the hardest training ever and do it three times. And the third time that he did it, they said, if you get medically bounced again, we're not going to let you go back through it. And so he ended up having to tape his shins because he had stress fractures. He started with stress fractures in his shins and a hernia and he had to make it through. And there's no rest for like six months. So it's not even just leading up to Hell Week. My wife is crawling into frame. Please tell me we see her somewhere. This is amazing. Wow, is it really that quiet? Well, I apologize. Hi, baby. Um, so that is just utterly, utterly astonishing to me. Somebody that can do that, that's willing to say, 
I don't like what I see. I want to become something better. I'm going to force myself to toughen up. That's what's so great about his story, man. He was not born genetically gifted. Mm-hmm. He wasn't raised in like some perfect environment that taught him really how to be tough. He got tired of hating who he saw in the mirror. Yeah. And that's something, you know my 80-20 rule, man. That is something that people just don't allow themselves. They're always trying to give themselves breaks. They're always trying to cut themselves slack. Mm -hmm. And at some point, without destroying yourself, you have to be able to say, I refuse to accept who I am. I'm going to become something, a better version of myself, more empowered, more powerful. And if I have to suffer to get there, then I'll suffer to get there. And he just did whatever it took. God, I love this guy. But he also did it, I think, because he realized that life is going to be hard. Already his life, his life had been hard for mm-hmm. him. <clears throat> and the only, instead of hiding from it, the only way to get through it was to just toughen up. Yeah, he said the best thing that ever happened to him was he went for help and help did not come. Right. So, you know, it, the, um, the racism had gotten so bad at his school that finally he just could not. People were threatening him mm-hmm. and painting on his car and his binders and everything. He just couldn't take it anymore. And he goes to the principal and the principal doesn't help. And he said at that moment he realized, you know, I've, I've looked to my dad. I've looked to my mom. I've looked to the schools. No one's coming to rescue me. Yeah. So if I'm going to get rescued, I'm going to have to rescue myself. And this is, I said in the episode, this is that thing about kids that really scares me. Like you want to give them this beautiful, amazing life. But in protecting them from things, you make them soft. Mm. And I, I don't know if this is true. In fact, if somebody out there knows, man, I somehow got it into my head as a kid that there were these kids where I grew up that I think they were um, on a reservation, so they were Native American, mm-hmm. and they had broken the law, and the tribe said, don't send them to juvenile hall or whatever. Let us do what, what is happening. Um, let us do what we would traditionally do, which is take them out into the wilderness and make them survive for like a year on their own. And I want that to be true so badly, but I've tried looking it up to see, like, did I just imagine that? So I'm not sure, but that's because they were like 14 or 15. And if my memory's right, they dropped them off in Alaska and literally just like in the wilderness, figure it out. And if you make it back, awesome. And if you don't, well then so be it. That's amazing. That's pretty gnarly. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> badass, though. Like, I, and I know about myself, I couldn't do that to a kid. But I think it's amazing. So what do you do with that? Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. All right, let's, uh, let's go to our Facebook Live audience. We have some questions here. This one's from Michael Foster. Uh, our do you boy, have, Michael Foster. Yeah. Do you I have a version you. of Goggins, his alter ego, that propels you to achieve things that are painful? I think we've talked about this before. Have we? I think when we did After Impact with Terrell Owens, we taught another person who constructed an alter ego. That's right. He created T.O. Yes. Which I thought was really cool. If you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world like Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. Now, I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy for you to start, run, and grow your business. It didn't used to be this easy. I'm telling you, back in the day, it was a lot harder. I'm so jealous. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly 
and efficiently choose Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash impact now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, don't. I need one. That. Do you want one? Do you think that's, do you think that's important? Do you think no, people should do that? It just sounds Some people cool. should do it, maybe. Like, it's clearly worked for the people that have done it. I just yeah. don't... It, if that feels necessary for you, do it. Like yeah. people have clearly gotten amazing things out of out of doing it. Goggins, not the least of which. Um, I've never gone there. Like I've always thought of it just a little bit differently, which is I'm actually trying to change myself, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to be able to tap into that toughness. And that was really my thing. And that business helped me with that. I was not tough, like as a kid at all. And so learning to toughen up, learning to get harder, like that was a big deal for me. Yeah. And um, But I never thought to build an alter ego. All right. So yeah, that wasn't my way of handling it, but obviously seems to have worked really well for the two that you just mentioned. Definitely. Here's a question from Jumani. He says, uh, Goggins said that self-talk was one of the things that got him to do what he does. Do you think the 80-20 rule for the darkness is critical in self-talk? And how would you utilize the darkness in self-talk? 100% amazing questions, <laughs> Jumani. Um, so I do think that the darkness plays an absolutely critical role. And there are times where the beautiful things in your life will get you there and it's all you need. And I think 80% of the time, that's where you can live. But 20% of the time, you really have to tap into... And let's... So I've talked endlessly about like the people that want you to fail. But now let's talk about self-hatred because Goggin showed how powerful that can be. But it's self-hatred from the perspective of believing you can change anything about yourself. But your level of dissatisfaction has to hit a crescendo. It has to hit a point where you're just not going to fucking take it anymore. Like you're not okay with where you are. You're not okay with what you're capable of. You're not okay with how you feel inside. You're not okay with what you see. Like it's not okay anymore. And I feel like in society, we've taught people not to do that. And that is to their detriment. Mm-hmm. Now, once you let that become corrosive and self-destructive and you either forget that you can change anything or don't believe it, then looking at how you're not good enough, like if you aren't thinking I'm not good enough yet, you're in trouble. If you just think permanently and forever, I'm not good enough, it will be a corrosive technique. It will totally ruin you. You've got to fix mindset, address that first. But once you have a growth mindset and you're willing to say, I'm not good enough yet, I'm just simple as 
I'm not good enough yet. And now I'm going to do whatever it takes to improve myself because I'm not willing to live a life where I was shy of expressing my potential. And that's why I open every fucking episode of Inside Quest and I even I'm afraid that I'll just say the words and people won't feel them. But the, the, every show opens with, you were here, my friend, which is a fucking reference to The Matrix, for those who don't know that. You were here, my friend, because like me, you know that human potential is nearly limitless. But having potential and actually doing something with it are not the same. Most people have all this amazing latent potential. They can do insanely cool stuff, but they break. And if I can just, without naming names, several people reached out to me in the DM and were like, I started the fast, but how do I see this through? And how do you see how do you see it through? You don't stop. Like there is no magic. You don't allow yourself to stop because you make that demand of yourself because you like there's no one to hide from. Like for instance, I'm taking my blood because I want to see like what's happening and I want to make sure that my ketones are producing and I want people to know like I'm not in the fucking back room like eating a ding dong. And you can know that for two reasons. One, it's in my blood and there's nowhere to hide with that. And then two, what would it matter if I trick other people? I'll know. Yeah. Like every time I look in the mirror, I'll know. And that's part of the reason that I didn't do the Advil because it's like, I know. Like some little voice in me was like, you'd have to asterisk the fast. Like maybe you can still count it, but there's a fucking asterisk. Like, just no two ways about it. And that, like, having something in you that you believe that you want for yourself, like, that is critical. And that's how you see the fast through. Yes, it sucks. Like, who got into this thinking that it's not going to suck? Like, it's going to suck. The whole point is to find out who you are. The whole point is to go, wow, this really sucks. And do I want to be this person badly enough that I'm willing to push through. And if you don't, at least own it. But don't try to hide from it. Don't sketch out. Don't be confused. Like, you didn't, you didn't man up. Simple as. Yeah. Uh, Tom mentioned Inside Quest back there, but what he meant was oh, Impact wow. Theory. Just, just to Thank remind you. the audience there. Thank you. He is on the third there, day of his fast. Fair so. enough. But I, I don't make excuses. He doesn't make excuses. I fucked up. I'll have to put money into the cookie jar, which brings us to... Hello, the cookie jar. Yeah. Talk about that. It's a pretty cool concept. So Goggins' notion is he's done all this amazing stuff in his life and all of those are deposits in the cookie jar. So at a moment like when he's done 70 miles and has now broken both of his feet, has shin splints, um, urinated blood, and defecated on himself mm-hmm. because he couldn't walk the 20 feet to the porta potty mm-hmm. um, Because he was just... stand up. Yeah, he was he so was, spent. Yeah, lightheaded and yeah. And like any one of those things stops everybody else. And Goggins realized that he, to accomplish his goal, because he had to finish, um, he had to finish 100 miles in 24 hours. So he'd been running around this track and he was going to run out of time if he didn't get going. So finally he realized, okay, I need to address one issue at a time. I need to eat. I need to blah, blah, blah. Finally gets back up. He's walking and then realizes his wife's, at the time tells him um, at your current pace, you're not going to finish on time. So he's got to now run the remaining 19 miles on broken feet and shin splints. And now miles with, is a lot anyway. Yeah, just it, going it's for a almost run. a whole nother marathon. So to do almost a whole nother marathon on broken feet, shin splints um, with feces on you, yep. staining urine and blood, 
down your leg. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like nuts. And so at that moment, he, he starts pulling items out of the cookie jar. And some of the items were, you finished um, Hell Week mm-hmm. twice. Um, you finished all the Navy SEAL stuff. You were willing to kick down doors when there were people on the other side with, you know, that wanted you dead um, and had the weapons to make that a reality. You, um, who, I think the exact way he said it was, who else would have gotten back up after um, you know, breaking their feet and all that, mm-hmm. you would. Um, who would start running to make sure that they finish? You would. Like, nobody else would do this. You were the baddest mofo on the planet, like, period. And those were all his items in the cookie jar so that he could remember who he is. And I love that statement, to remember who you are. Because I think people forget. Yeah. Like, you have to remember. And just recognize that that's the human mind, right? From, you can go from feeling like King Stud to feeling like a total loser in like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. It is so surreal. Mm-hmm. And then once you realize that that is the matrix, that's what I'm talking about. That moment where you can swing so dramatically from one to the other, that's the matrix. And once you realize you get to pick, are you the baddest motherfucker around or are you weak? It's a choice. And so for him, the cookie jar is a way of remembering to make the right choice. I love that. And I think for people who are ambitious, who are always trying to improve, who are looking at their inadequacies and saying, how do I get better? It can be easy to forget where you've come from and what you've accomplished to get that far. So what do you Mm -hmm. recommend for people to mentally build that cookie jar? I mean, write it down if you have to. Like literally keep a list. Like these are going to be my 15, 20 go-to moments where I really showed up. Mm -hmm. And if you only have one or two, then write those one or two and say like, I'm going to keep doing things to add to my cookie jar. And it gives you a way. It's like gamifying your internal dialogue. It gives you a way to say like this fast for me is another thing in the cookie jar, right? Um, The having a headache during a fast. Like that's a cookie in the cookie jar. Like doing all the things to push through, doing a double episode with the flu, that's a fucking cookie jar moment, right? So it's like, hey, you've got to show up and play in those moments because those are the moments that you're going to be proud of. Like those Mm -hmm. are the moments that that give you a deposit in the cookie jar. So doing the hard things, do the hard things. Like that's suffer, do the hard things. That's where you earn credibility with yourself, going to the gym, right? Getting, you know when you stopped before you absolutely had to and when you really fucking pushed. You're never going to be proud no matter what I tell you. You're not going to be proud of the moments where you stopped too soon, but you'll really be proud of the times that like I remember one time having to just sit in my car because I had done legs so hard that I was like, and there's this weird delay with legs where it was like 20 minutes later and I was like, if I get up, I may vomit or just straight fall over. So I literally just had to sit there and I was like, wow, this really sucks. But now I'm proud of this one Mm -hmm. because I obviously pushed it that hard. Yeah. I want to go back to the darkness. So you talked about um, having a bit of self-hatred to look nakedly at the things you're not good at and then to work on them. But for Goggins, the darkness is also external. It's something that he projects on other people, right? Like I'm going to take your soul. So talk a little bit about that and, um, and, and do you use that yourself? It's, is that the rage part of your beauty and rage equation? It's in, I do use it, mm-hmm. but not the way he does. Um, I find that it manifests itself at the times of like, oddly my deepest compassion. So I'll be looking at somebody like the people that wrote in and said, Oh God, confession time. So the people that wrote in and said like, 
I can't do it. I was like, I get it, man. I really get it. Like when you hit that wall of suffering and you haven't built the mental um, framework that you need to want to be somebody badly enough to push through that and all that, I get it, man. I have legitimate empathy for people in that situation. But at the same time, I'm like my hand, I'm elbow deep in the cookie jar in those moments going, you just can't keep up. You just can't keep up. And when I'm the first in the office and I'm the last to leave and I'm up at two in the morning and I fucking hit the gym and, you know, people are texting me like, oh man, I thought I was badass getting up at four in the morning and there you are up at two in the morning. It's, I'm like, yeah, like don't, bless you. Don't try to keep up. Like you just, you don't have the anger and beauty in your mind the way that I do. You're not going to be able to push through. And so in those, it really is this weird thing where I have nothing but empathy for them in those. I'm not trying to eat their souls the way that Goggins is. It's, and I love that. And there, I'm sure I will use that now, but I would reserve that for people who want bad things for me. It just would never trigger for me with people that I care about. Mm-hmm. Or even people that I just am neutral, don't know, whatever. Um, that my default response is always empathy in those moments. But if you want for my demise, motherfucker, I'm coming for your soul. I like it. All right. Uh, a couple shout outs from Facebook. Leanne Smead from Cape Town. What's up, Leanne? Cape Town. Our boy Joe Cross from Miami this week. All right. yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I don't think he's normally. Is he normally? I don't think so. Where is Joe Cross? I can't remember. I met him here. So yeah. now he's sort of ingrained in my mind as a LA boy, but. I don't and, think that's uh, true. Windy Vianello from Venice, Italy. Wow. All the way from Venice Miami. is the most interesting city I've been in. It's amazing. Yeah. I didn't make it out to you Venice. You didn't make it out, but you'll go back. Yeah, I think I will. Amazing town. Uh, we have a question from Joe Cross as well. Goggin says the key to changing your life is to look internal. For so many people, looking inside yourself doesn't do it. What do you think is necessary to actually overcome inertia and maintain momentum for deep change? Uh, I think that people that look inwards and don't find what they need are lying to themselves or I'll even just assume they're completely fine and content. Great. Like if you're fine and content with where you are in life, I have nothing for you. Like I can only hope to look like a madman. Uh, I'm the guy you come to when you want dramatic change. Mm -hmm. Like when you really want to do something and that to me is looking inward and seeing all the things that are deficient and creating a compelling future for yourself and seeing amazing things that you could bring to the world and something beautiful that you could build and that like a compelling future. Like you need to be moving away from not wanting to be a lesser version of yourself, holding yourself to an incredibly high standard, get around better people. They'll hold you to a higher standard and then create a compelling future for yourself. Something that you really believe in that you're really excited about. That is so critical. Like you can't just move away from things and you can't just move towards things. But I think that 80% of your energy should be about the beautiful thing that you're trying to build. So step one is looking inward. A hundred percent. Like there is nothing else. Otherwise somebody's handing you something and saying, go build this. But if that's not like in you, that's not the thing that you want. That's not the thing that's going to get you excited. That's going to, from a neurochemical standpoint, put you in the right frame of mind to push and go. And by the way, like I don't pass moral judgments on that. I don't think that most people should try to live the life that I'm trying to live. Mm -hmm. I think that most people should everybody should look inward and see like, what do I want? Like a lot of people just want a life devoid of stress. Mm -hmm. And 
my life is anything but devoid of stress. Like I leverage stress to keep me going, to keep me moving, to keep me hungry, looking over my shoulder, making sure that I'm paranoid and going as hard in the forward direction as humanly possible. So if you want a monkish life, if you want um, just peace and tranquility, that is a very doable life, but it is a very different type of introspection. So what, what does someone do? Because Goggins says that, you know, you guys are in lockstep with this. Look, look inward, find out. And he really says, find out who you are at your core. Mm. That's step one. Um, what do people do if they're doing a lot of deep work, self-reflection, and they still don't know who they are? I thought you were going to ask something else. I'm going to answer this something else because it's easier. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you look inwards and don't like what you see, which is, I think, where most people end up is there even such a thing as not knowing who you are i don't think there is maybe in the sense of not knowing what you want out of life uh right. that's very different that's like how do you take an interest and turn it into a passion mm. which we'll talk about but yeah. maybe not during goggins um so if you look inward and you don't like what you see, then it's about massive action. It's about what do I need to do to become that person? Like, mm -hmm. um, there is an answer and it's the thing that you don't want to say. It's the thing that's at the edge of your consciousness that you trying not to allow yourself to say and say that thing and go do whatever you need to do to get good at that thing. Like it, and it is like interests. Everybody knows what they're interested in, but they've got some off switch where they they've passed a judgment on it where it's like well i can't go do that right like i could never make money doing that i could never make a living doing that i could never tell my parents i do that um and so they they and it's not like they recognize oh this is that thing tom is talking about it seems so patently obvious to them that they could never do that that they could never tell the world that they do mm -hmm. that that they just they brush it off and it's like stumbling over gold so they're there in their sort of mental construct. And the answer is ubiquitous. It's the thing that they love doing. It's the thing that makes them the most happy. And just a lot of times that thing on its surface seems stupid. Mm -hmm. And so they don't push. And therein lies the tragedy. When people think they're letting other people's view of what they like and they're interested in um, stop them from pursuing that thing. Now, not everything turns into a multi-million dollar business, but it doesn't necessarily need to. Like figure out like if that makes you feel alive, like let's take quilting. Mm -hmm. If quilting makes you feel artistic and creative and you love doing it and hours go by and you don't even notice, like find a way. Like even if it's making $45,000 a year doing it, move to a small town where the cost of living is crazy low and find a way to quilt in one of the, you know, the tiny houses in an inexpensive town and if that's the thing that makes you come alive, then there you go. By the way, the, like, the day or the day after, oh, I, I don't think I sent it to you, which is really dumb. Um, I had mentioned those people that took their kids out on a boat and for years. Do you remember talking about that? No. God, was I talking to... You were talking maybe maybe I was talking to Dr. Finesse. It was during uh, live. And anyway, um, that day or the next day, I read a story on, I think, Reddit about a kid who was like, hey, I grew up on a boat. And I have no... Oh, just the... Um, I bring that up because even the like craziest stuff like that can be done with kids. And this kid was like, I wouldn't mm. trade it for anything. Right. So like, you can construct your life 
in such a way where you're able to bring your most exhilarating life to the forefront. All right, I love it. Here's a question from YouTube from Fathead. 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 Tom, Fathead. how do you climb out of the trap of not... Can, hold on. What? Can we talk about Fathead for a second? I don't know Fathead. Do you know Fathead? I don't know Fathead, okay. but we are, I'm guessing, unless it's a reference to something cool and powerful that I don't know about, very subtly, he's injecting a negative into his perpetual world, mm. and that is fucking dangerous. So, and I would just say, and if somehow Fathead is empowering for him, the rest of the world goes, Fathead? Like, it's not a positive. So you got to be true. careful with shit like that. Like, this is how people very subtly erode themselves. You have to be really, really careful. Maybe Powerhead. He can change his name to Powerhead. That would be amazing. Right, so Fathead. Powerhead Next has a question. Next time we see you in the comments, Powerhead. That's what we're yeah. looking for. His question is, uh, Tom, his or her question, uh, Tom, how do you climb out of the trap of not feeling like you are worthy of massive success? I come from an upper middle class family. My parents make good money and we never struggle to pay bills. However, I want more. I want to push for bigger things to change the world, but feel like I don't deserve it. Wow. Uh, well, here's the good news. This is all belief system. So do and believe that which moves you forward. Start with that, okay? So make the demand of yourself that you do and believe only that which moves you towards your goals. So believing that you don't deserve it does not move you towards your goals. So now that you have the belief that you only do and believe that which moves you towards your goals, you can immediately get rid of that. So even though it feels more real than what you're going to tell yourself, which is that you do deserve it, I get it. The negative thing feels real. The positive thing does not feel real. You still have to jettison it. Anything that does not move you towards your goal. So your goal is to do something better, to become something more. You have to start with that belief. That will do a lot of things. And then, man, be protective of who you are. Like allowing other people to call you fathead, calling yourself fathead. Danger, 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 Will Robinson. And now that I know that he or she does not believe that they're worthy, I promise you fathead is a negative. It's derogatory. Um, and they just subtly let that into their lives. You... you this is like an awesome and thank you, by the way, because I know there's a lot of vulnerability in this, but there's just blocking and tackling of the belief system that you have to do. And that's why the 25 bullet points start living them. Human potential is nearly limitless. Only do and believe that which moves you towards your goals. Like they're just basic infrastructure for your mind that you have to put in place. It's a belief system that will allow you to empower yourself to go out and acquire skills. At the end of the day, that's what the belief system is about. To believe that you can, that you should, that you're worthy, all of that, and then to actually know how to go out and do it. How do you remove negative self-talk from your life? You don't. Never try to remove the negative self-talk. Negative self-talk is incredibly powerful, but pay attention to the balance. So negative self-talk usually is pointing out something that's real. So help me understand the difference then between calling yourself fathead and negative self-talk. Because your balance is eternally fucked if your name is fathead. Okay. It's just ever-present. So having negativity be ever-present. And literally, it's his name. Mm -hmm. Can we say that would be part of your identity? Yeah. So part of his identity is, or her, is this self-defeating, I'm a fathead, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve it. Um, so your, your balance is never going to be 80-20 in that world. Um, his name should be, like, why do I wear Batman, Iron Man, like, all these, this superhero stuff, Star Wars, Jedis, like, 
because I want to be surrounded by that. Mm-hmm. I want Bruce Wayne staring back at me when I look in the mirror. I want Yoda throwing quotes out at me, like all the time, all the time, all the time. So I'm constantly surrounding myself with that stuff, the positive reminders. So negative self-talk is usually pointing out something that's real. Hey, you're lazy. That's one that I get a lot. And I'm like, yes, I am lazy. So I need to have rules. Hey, since I'm lazy, I should probably have a rule about how rapidly I get out of bed. Okay. So that's where my 10 minute rule came from. Um, I know that I'm lazy and I am very good at coming up with excuses. So I should probably work out first thing in the morning because I hate it so much. Um, Hey, I really am lazy. So I should probably do from my eight to 10 um, important things time. I should probably probably start with the things that suck the most and have the highest impact. So I'm almost always doing contracts at that time. So those are like protective mechanisms because I allow, I don't go, no, you're not lazy. It's all good. Like love yourself for who you are. I'm like, no motherfucker, you really are lazy and you really do need to combat this and don't tolerate the expression of your laziness. So like Goggin said, I really am a dumb motherfucker. Cool. What do I need to do to get educated? right? He didn't wallow in that. He didn't say, oh, I can never become anything. He just said, acknowledge the truth. You are dumb. And so what do you have to do right now today to start educating yourself? That's where people have wins because they're just not afraid to be real. So I don't think people should get rid of the negative voice. I think the negative voice is there to serve you, but you have to relegate it to 20%. And when it crops up at 21%, you shut the fucking door on it. Simple as. And use it as a trigger to action. 100%. 100%. Always. Always, always, always. Well said. Great. All right. Uh, here's a question from Cameron RN. How often do you use the dark side for motivation compared to letting go of a dark past? Ooh, wow. We're dabbling with, with uh, something very dramatic in there. So um, a dark past almost always means physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. Um, Never be afraid to seek help. Um, Like if you need to talk with somebody about that, like do that in a heartbeat, never be ashamed about that. That is just super, super, super important. Um, And also like, God, a dark past, man. Whatever you need to do to get over that, to get past that, is just super, super important. You need to start building an empowering mindset. You need to allow yourself to believe that you're good enough um, to get better, right? So I'm not afraid, even for somebody with a dark past, I'm not afraid to say, like, you probably haven't accomplished the level that you want or should or should be holding yourself to that standard, but you have to believe that you can get better and you have to believe that you're worthy of getting better, Um you should have written Goggins is in the feed. So our boy Goggins is in the feed. Amazing. Thank you for letting me know. Uh, Man, I really hope he's been here the whole time. But dude, Goggins, you are the man. You've totally uh, just blown me away in ways that I've been explaining for the last 40 minutes. Uh, I won't say I could never explain. But uh, so back to it. If you have a dark past, um, that is something you need to address. You need to get past that, especially if you plan to have kids. Like you've just got to find something. You've got to find the beauty inside of you. Check out the Wes Chapman episode, which that's somebody that's really overcome a super dark past. And for him to be able to find beauty again, which I think was my first question to him, is the thing I'm most fascinated by with people that have had a dark past. 
is you've got to find beauty again. You've got to find a way to let all of that neurochemistry of beauty and wonderment and joy and all of that come back in. You're going to have to aggressively do that because you're going to have hardwired through that experience or experiences. You're going to have hardwired a lot of just rapid negativity. And so the chances of you spending way more than 20% of your time there is is super dangerous. So um, that's a dark past Allowing the darkness to be usable, that's a whole nother ball of wax. So um, the easiest way for me to talk about darkness is when somebody wants ill for you. Um, And Goggins gave an awesome example of this when he was talking about how he was there during Hell Week, during the whole training, and he knew that the instructors who were trying to break him down and find the flaws in his personality were going to go home and be in a comfy bed. And he said he wanted them to see him suffer and be so comfortable with being uncomfortable and smiling the whole time that when they were at home in their comfy bed thinking about how hard they struggled during their time and how badly they wanted to quit, that he's not thinking like that, that he's not going to ring that bell, that he's way more comfortable being uncomfortable than you ever were. And in that, he said, he takes people's souls. <laughs> that is, <coughs> that's an amazing way to use the darkness. Definitely. Uh, one of the, one of uh, David's <coughs> quotes from the episode, which I love, is we're writing our book every day of our lives, but we don't read that book. And it's just so good. I love the idea that, A, it's about self-reflection, so you need Mm. to be recognizing what you're doing, and B, it's about intentionality. Because we do have control, we do have choices that we're making, but a lot of times it's just on autopilot, and we're not being aware, we're not being intentional about Mm. those decisions. So read the book that we're writing, and then write it with intentionality. Love that quote so much. Love that. And I have to say, in the episode, I had this moment of like, oh God, what's Goggins going to say? And when he said self-talk was a huge part of his success. I was like, thank God, because I've met other Navy SEALs and their response is like, you just do it. Like there's no sense, they don't understand how they got there. And that's what makes Goggins so powerful is he's gone on the journey. He was not born tough. He was born weak. He was uh, physically and mentally, he went through everything to try to break him down emotionally. And he didn't look at that and blame the rest of the world. He turned inward and got a hold of his self-talk and really turned it into something incredibly powerful. And that to me, that is like the story that needs to be told. That's the journey that people need to be on. Um, it's just super, super critical. Yeah, that's awesome. Here's a question from Facebook Live, Shikar Dewan. What's up, Shikar? Um, Tom, what do you think of the idea that there are limits to the amount of deep work or deliberate practice in a day? I know you don't believe in that, but while I have examples of people who have achieved amazing physical feats like Goggins, I don't see many talking about mental stuff. What's your experience on this? Um, it's not that I don't believe it. Is there a limit to the deep work that you can do? Probably, but like anything, it's so much farther away than where people actually stop that don't even worry about that. Don't think, like, you'll transition into something no matter what. Like, just do as much as you can possibly bear. First of all, you'll see that it goes farther every day and that you get better at it. And like anything, even discipline, focus, like those things can be improved over time. Um, So if when you start, you can only do deep work for like 25 minutes, great. But the next day, you better demand of yourself to do 26 and then 30 and then 40. Like just keep pushing it out, pushing it out, pushing it out. And it's like the four minute mile. If you read an article 
when somebody says, oh, the most deep work that you can do is about an hour and a half. Like, you, that's all the human mind is capable of. Like, then there's Roger, Roger Bannister, who, when told that the heart would explode if you ran faster than a four-minute mile, said, get out of here. Like, that's ridiculous. And just pictured 359, 359, 359. And then finally he broke it. And then once he broke it, then something like 20 people break it in, like, the next year. I mean, it's ridiculous. Right. So people just need to see that it's possible. So um, is there a limit? Probably. Is it way farther than you think? Yes. So, yeah, don't, don't tap out because other people wrote in an article that that's the limit. Cool. Um, David says that being the best isn't about being number one. It's about asking yourself, did I, leave every, did I do everything I could um, and give everything I had? What do you think about that? Um, yeah, I mean, that it's true, but don't you also want to be number one? And I think that stuff is so transient. Like, you might be one minute, and then you won't be the next. But to, if you can do it playfully, like, to really go after it. Like, for instance, I really, really like Gary Vaynerchuk as a human being. I think his content is fucking amazing. But I'm gunning for him. Like, make no mistake. Like, I want to be number one. I think right now he's number one. I think he's amazing. And But I'm coming for him. But, like, in a way where when I see him, it's warm embraces. It's, yeah. You know, he's a great guy. And he'll be the first to say the same. Like, he wants to hold the number one position. Like, there's no way that he wants somebody to take his spot. But if that's, like, this place of ugliness and bitterness like uh that's not sustainable but if you can have fun with it and be playful and really actually try to be number one and then when you're not number one it's like yeah like if you left it all on the table and you're not number one so be it like no big deal but um if i were a professional athlete i would want to be the best in the world like period so i don't see anything wrong with actually literally wanting to be the best um but at the same time that spot can only be held by one person at a time so if that's destructive and corrosive to not be that then you've got a problem because statistically speaking you've got like what a one in a seven billion chance right so you better be real comfortable being in other positions and leaving it all on the table all right there we go uh just a reminder we're on facebook live we're wrapping up in a few minutes so get your questions in now about the david goggins episode if you haven't watched it watched or listened to it this is one you you need to you need to see. I'm just we're just going to make it mandatory. Yes. Like if you're an impactivist, this needs to be. And by the way, you should be following Goggins yeah. socially. So, in fact, we should probably be pressuring Goggins to be way more socially active. We should. Uh, just cuz I think this message is so transformative for people and people really 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 need to hear it. So, agreed. Uh, here's a question from Sarah Abrasi. She says, uh, "Tom, what's what's an important truth uh, or what important truths do very few people agree with you on? Um, I think uh, that people don't agree. I surround myself with people that think in a very positive and empowering way. So most of the people around me agree. Um, but I would say that a lot of the world totally disagrees with human potential is nearly limitless. Mm -hmm. Um, What's one that's really controversial? Um, the, the whole self-hatred thing. That's the most controversial belief that I have, that that is powerful and can be leveraged. Um, I think most people think that it's just dangerous, um, and that's why, with great empathy, I realize I will forever eat their lunch because I'm willing to be real with myself. Yeah. I think another one, too... Uh which you got into a little bit of a debate over yesterday <laughs> with uh, one Mel Robbins. Yeah. 
was about whether or not you as an individual are special and unique. Yeah. And your answer was? Not at all. Like statistically speaking, you're all average. And life is about pushing past that. Life is about like that drives me when somebody is saying like I'm special, I'm unique, it's because you're afraid to right now today not be special. Mm-hmm. And once you're afraid to not right now today be special, then you're not honestly assessing where you really are so that you can actually become special, that you can get good. But for me it's like the the version of myself that's special and amazing and all, is always in the distance, and I'm always chasing that. And I'm always going after. It's a bit it. paradoxical. Did my dog jailbreak? There's... And if so, how? Because it requires opening doors. My dogs can now open doors. That's very Do- impressive. Dogs are, are running loose. They were inspired by Goggins. Yeah. It's like they can't they be held back now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think people should worry about being special. I think people should worry about becoming special. Like they should be putting in the work to really get Becoming that, to get is that the skill set. Becoming, yeah, It's a process sure. that never ends. For sure. Right? No question. It's very paradoxical. So I feel like we might have to circle back to this or have you write an article. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not writing an article. Can we talk about... I don't write articles anymore. Like, that is the world's longest process. We all already... Everyone here is very comfortable with the fact that I am using a ghostwriter now to write the book. Yes. Um, because I can speak all this stuff very rapidly. The moment you need it to be written down, it is such a slow process. I just... I can't justify it for the business. Okay. So, well... But we do. We have that guy that wrote, if he can write emails, like this guy writes in the Impact Theory universe so well. Indeed. Can we give him a shout out? What's his name? Do you remember? Gerald. I think it is Gerald. I don't know his last name, though. Okay, but that's good. Well remembered. So Gerald. We're going to get connected. uh, We tweeted back at you. That was amazing. Um, By the way, this guy, just to get an internship wrote five emails that he thinks we should be sending just like that was he had never had contact with us before really incredible very impressive it was a good angle for sure very good angle especially because jared is ultimately the one you have to impress and so emails (laughs) was like the perfect way to do it yeah because i'm big on emails very smart uh here's a question from william mendoza tom what is one weakness that has turned out to be a strength for you man i could give you some bs none zero all of my weaknesses are weaknesses for a reason and they don't serve me and systematically I'm trying to get rid of them all. There we go. There it is. Love it. No weaknesses. Uh, those are all the questions we have and that I have. Anything else nice. you want to talk about? Dip Goggins. I just think people need to dive into his world. I think they will benefit tremendously from doing the hard inner reflection, looking at where you are honestly, and then forcing yourself to suffer, understanding that in the suffering, you will meet yourself in the suffering. You will be able to empower yourself, begin to get better. But if you avoid suffering like the plague, you're never going to progress. And it it is literally about creating suffering in your life. And if you don't have something already, might I suggest the gym? So the gym has longevity, um, angle it has looking better feeling better getting stronger being more powerful and every day it's going to be something that is woefully uncomfortable and so in doing that you're going to be able to sharpen your mind and your body it is just an awesome awesome 
um, utility player in the game of suffering. So Definitely. get to it. Nobody has an excuse. Even if literally you can't afford a gym membership, um, do sit-ups, do push-ups, uh, run in place, go run outside. Like There are a thousand ways to get in shape um, without having to go to a gym. And then also, if you really want to suffer, start messing with your food. That's mm-hmm. where most people just can't do it. They can't fast. Yeah. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us on Facebook live on the podcast, YouTube. You can always submit your questions in advance to connect at impacttheory.com If you're not able to join us on Facebook live, um, I want to encourage you to go sign up for our newsletter, which we're yes. going to be investing more time and energy into over the next couple of months. Exciting things there, discounts, promos for the store. We're going to be releasing things on the store. So that is where you're going to hear about it first and you'll be, uh, part of the inner circle. So go sign up. Yes. And if you are um, an impact sub, as we call them, if you've signed up for the newsletter, let me know when you're commenting socially, um, because we consider that the absolute inner sanctum of this community. So let me know. Hashtag impact sub. And then you know who you're writing to every week. Yes. Very true. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode. And David Goggins, to you, my friend, I tip my hat. You are officially my favorite episode. This was amazing. I'm very glad that I got a chance to meet you. Um, And I have not forgotten about what we talked about downstairs. We will be making that a reality in the very near future, my friend. Um, It is an obsession of mine. So we will get it done. All right. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.